The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. All right, bring it in for another edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. It's a podcast about sports. Even though there ain't no sports going on, we still talk a little bit of sports. My name is Brown. On the line is my partner in crime, Mr. Mike Jones. We call him Jonesy. One of these days, there's going to be sports being played once again in this country. One day soon. One day soon. The NBA is looking like it's going to happen. There's dates. There's schedules. There there's is a protocol. plan. There's protocol. There's plans in place. I want to get your opinion right off the bat. There was a story saying that at this point in time, there are sixteen. There were sixteen players, sixteen NBA players total, who tested positive for the coronavirus. Not 16 active cases, but 16 total who have tested positive since this whole thing came about. For some people, that's cause for alarm. For some people are saying, hey, you know, 16 out of the total sum of all the players that play in the NBA, that's, you know, that that's not that bad. Where do you stand on this? Okay. Well... I saw the same story online, and when I saw it, it was a post, I believe, Twitter, Instagram, one of them, from SportsCenter, where you can see the big, huge, breaking news headline, like the red, reddish-yellow font, tent, bold letters, mm-hmm. you know, attention-grabbing, Yeah, and then right underneath, the first that you see, 16 players test positive. So you thought it was like, then at first you thought it was 16 no, new. No, 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 hold on. See, this is what happened. You know me, I'm one who looks at details and keeps reading. Mm-hmm. So I actually kept reading the rest of the post and where it said 16 out of 302, I believe it was, mm-hmm. tested positive, which puts you at a number of about 5%. The national rate right now they're saying is 6%. So 5% actually has you a little bit less than what was expected. Mm-hmm. And baseball is down. They did their test. They were down at around 1%. Mm-hmm. So when you see the big breaking news headline and they say 16 players or however many players, yeah, it's, it's attention grabbing. But percentage-wise, we're, it's less than the national average, which is, suggest the players have actually been taking the quarantine and return to play at least fairly seriously. Yeah, I, I think initially, like, when you first see 16, I think, like, there were people who probably thought, like, like 16 new cases. And even if that was, given the grand, given the grand total, given the total sum of everything, it's like, okay, that's still less than 10%, less than 8%. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, it'll it'll grab you. But in the end, I think now you're getting to the point where it's like you want to see, you want to see what, what measures are going to be taken. Because at this point in time, you know that there are going to be cases. And mm-hmm. if there are going to be cases, so what measures will be taken? What preemptive measures are going to be t- taken? And what, you know, what reactionary methods will be taken? Because well, there are go- going to be cases. Once they start playing, you know, there's there's going to be positive cases. That's just going to happen. That's the reality of it. But, but see, here's the thing, JP. And... I'm going to be as real as I can with this. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we're at a point where these leagues have decided to play, they've decided that they're not shutting down because of positive tests. Mm-hmm. That, de- that decision's already made. 
because we're looking at a disease, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, where there is no vaccine and there is no real functional treatment. So, of course, you quarantine people and isolate people as much as possible to try to keep the odds of infection down. But you have to go into this thing being a business. You have to go in eyes open, being mm-hmm. realistic to yeah. what the probability is, you know. These are people who are very familiar with the term risk assessment. Mm-hmm. They've run all the numbers, and they are well aware of the high probability that someone gets infected during this process. They've already accepted that and decided to keep moving. That That's pretty much the way I see it. No, I agree. I think that is the reality of it. But I think for a lot of people, that's going to be a hard pill to swallow because of the reactionary nature that we live in. You know, we've we've been talking about and society has been talking about how serious this disease is for the last three, four months. And now you have companies saying, hey, you know, we know it's serious. We're not taking this lightly, but we're going to deal with it. You know, we we have now you actually are starting to have, you know, here is a company saying we're going to get back to business. So you're going you're going to see, you know, people in physical contact with one another. You know, you, you can't fake basketball. You know, we've all been watching the news and television and we see, you know, people, you know, TV hosts working from home, hosting shows from home, doing Skype interviews, doing Zoom interviews, doing, you know, mm-hmm. making do. You can't do that with sports. You know, we they uh, you got you got to be in the building with each other to play sports. Yeah. Now, yeah. I understand the whole empty arena thing, but, but to me, you know, and and once again, that's what we've talked, you know, we talked about, you know, the, uh, summer league, the early summer league games back in the, you know, 10 years ago, summer league games, when it was two teams playing in Orlando's practice gym, Mm -hmm. I think the difference is. With you know, about maybe 30 people in the stands, yeah. including everyone working and meeting. Yeah. I think the difference with that and now is, you know, we, we're not going to be seeing rookies and ABA, you know, now G League players, whatever, you know, overseas players looking for jobs. Mm. You know, league is going to tip, you know, tip off and it's going to be Oladipo versus versus uh Embiid and Simmons. I'm just throwing out names. I'm you know I'm, you know that's it, we're, we're talking about Giannis. We're talking about Kawhi. We're talking about Steph. We're talking about LeBron. We're talking about, you know, we're we're talking about real NBA players. Still playing in an empty gym, still playing, you know, playing without fans, but it's going to be the highest level of basketball. And you can't fake that. And I think... I th- so let me ask you a question mm-hmm. as you say that. Just something just popped in my head. Do you mm-hmm. think we will see the highest level of basketball coming back from this hiatus? I think, I think everybody has been dealing with it the same way. I think you're going to see a little bit of... You're going to see some sloppy basketball. I think not. Ne- it's not necessarily going to be bad basketball. But you're going to see players who haven't played with one another for three, four months. You're going to see, I think you're going to see a couple, couple of those high scoring, high shooting games. 35 points on 35 shots. You know, you know, games like mm-hmm. that. 
that's what I think you're going to see a lot of those. So, so you think you see a lot of high volume scores? High, yeah, high volume. I, I think you're going to. There's not going to be a lot of gray area. I think you might see a lot of high volume scoring games sprinkled in with a couple of two duds. You know, back in the old, you know, old school. Picture old school Knicks Pacers games. Those eighty two, mm-hmm. those eighty two sixty five games. Now, let me ask another question. Then, okay, if that's what you see coming, do you think that style of play gives an advantage to any of these teams that are remaining? I think it gives an advantage to the teams who are better, the more defensive minded teams. I think it also, I think, especially defensive-minded teams with legitimate scores. I think this, I think this would help a team like the Clippers. I think this could possibly help the Lakers. I don't see it helping Houston much. I think it might help a team like. I think I think it might help a team like the Bucks, like the Sixers. Not sure if it would necessarily help a team like Boston or Miami. Okay. So then, if you are the six, say a team like the Sixers, mm-hmm. who with the remaining eight games left has a chance to be anywhere from the sixth seed, where they'd likely face. Boston in the first round mm-hmm. to the fourth or fifth seed where they likely face Miami in the first round. What would be your druthers? What matchup would you prefer if you're the Sixers going in where you can have Miami first round and a potential matchup with Toronto in the second round where you would then ultimately likely be face off, facing off with a Bucks team in the conference finals? Or would you want to go the route of Miami in the first round at the 4-5 seed, where then you end up with the one seed of Milwaukee in the second round. Uh, Would there be a path you prefer if you're the Sixers? I would would lean towards the let's not see Milwaukee till we have to see Milwaukee. You know, I... I... Despite... I'm going to put it to you like this. Despite the Sixers' struggles, especially their road struggles. Boston was never a team that necessarily scared me. I understood that you're still saying, you know, without home court advantage, you know, you still have to go to Boston and win a game or two. Mm-hmm. Even with their struggles, even with the Sixers' struggles, I wasn't conv- I wasn't convinced when the season stopped that they were struggles that they couldn't figure out that they could not figure out and that if I wasn't convinced that they could not win in Boston if they needed to I understand why people d- didn't think they would I'm certainly not going to try to stoke somebody's faith because the Sixers haven't really given a lot to to work with there as far as, you know, believing that they could win on the road. But I thought that they could. It's like, okay, they can figure this out. They shorten this lineup, and then you get to a situation, especially now that Ben Simmons is healthy. They're coming in with a healthy, you know, five healthy guys. Mm-hmm. You shorten this lineup, and you shorten this lineup for the home stretch. And I'm confident that Ben, that Joel, that Tobias Harris, you can get them on the same page, and you can win. You can win a game in Boston. You could possibly win two games in Boston. To be honest, I I believe that they could win a game in Miami. Maybe two games in Miami, but 
And see, that's my thing with the Sixers. For a team like that, that has been as inconsistent as they've been all year. And they have been. Showing a true dichotomy between how they played at home and on the road. I genuinely have no clue what to expect from the team on a neutral court at Mm -hmm. a neutral site. So, for me, I would like to see the Sixers. Of course, you generally think win games, get the higher seed, and such. And if that's what happens, I won't be upset. But the Boston matchup is one I prefer as opposed to the Miami matchup, simply because I've seen the Sixers this year be able to take advantage of Boston's size on the interior, Mm -hmm. whereas a team like Miami has given the Sixers fits all year. So simply from a matchup and confidence standpoint, knowing that you're facing a team that you've done very well against this year or a team you've done very poorly against this year, I'd rather start off with the team that you've done well against this year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Which, which that, but that path ends up putting you in the line of sight of Milwaukee in the second round. That being said, that being said, I don't actually think the Sixers need to be scared of the Milwaukee matchup. Mm-hmm. I think the way the Milwaukee team is built, as well as they are built to succeed during the regular season, I do wonder if the construction of that roster lends itself to a playoff basketball. And if I were to make that make a decision on that one way or the other right now, I'd say Milwaukee's not built playoff basketball and I think they would I see them struggling to get out of the Hmm. so you see uh, you see you see uh, the possibility of a second straight NBA finals with Milwaukee being the east having the best regular season record in the eastern conference yet once again not making the NBA finals yeah I do, because as talented as Giannis is, when I have, if, as a coach, when you have time to game plan, mm-hmm. his style of play is one that you can game plan for more readily than someone like, okay, how can I, but here's the best way to explain it. Okay. Game planning for Giannis is like, game planning for LeBron the first time through Cleveland where you know there's not a lot of help you don't really have a secondary playmaker and the one guy you count on is an inconsistent outside shooter at best who's looking to attack the rim so I'll ask what I'm really looking to do is build a wall and force his bigs to shoot jump shots that that is the blueprint to defend a player like that. San Antonio always does it against LeBron. You you saw what Toronto did to Milwaukee last year. You've seen it repeatedly when teams have one primary ball handler, and especially when that primary ball handler is not a jump shoot. So, for Milwaukee, as talented as that team is, I see it being a very difficult path to the finals playing playoff basketball. I know you're, I know you don't like to make predictions like this, but I'm going to put you on the spot because I want to know your opinion. Mm -hmm. Give me a, give me a player that you feel coming back. You have a good feeling could be a, a difference maker a true difference maker, an impact player in both the East and the West? In the West, 
I know this is going to sound like I'm taking the easy way out, but there are two names in the West, and they're both for different reasons. One is LeBron James. The other is Kawhi Leonard. Both guys in L.A. And you look at these guys. LeBron is 35, pushing 36. And so for him playing all the minutes and games that he played this year without the load management, I think the rest of the time off of LeBron is actually going to be very, very beneficial. And the other is Kawhi Leonard, who has a degenerative condition in his knee that is known for load management and taking time off. I think that rest for him will be quite beneficial as well. And in the East, in the East, I will go with Ben Simmons for the sheer fact that going into the layoff, the quarantine break, he was injured with a back problem that you had no idea how it was going to respond going into the playoffs. Now you're in a situation where he's fully healthy and rested. So all three of those guys are guys that I think actually benefited from the break where most other guys, most other teams, their best players had their rhythm broken and you don't see any real benefit to the rest for them. So those are three guys I would say this quarantine break will absolutely benefit. I expect them to see, expect to see them coming back at full speed, ready to go. Are you excited about getting the NBA back? I am. You know, I'm a basketball junkie, so mm-hmm. if you give me sport, I'm excited. I think. How do you think this d- dynamic will play out? We're talking August basketball. August basketball at the hot, not exhibitions, not, you know, usually when we're talking basketball, live basketball at this time of year, talking, you know, mid to, or, to late summer, you're talking maybe Olympics, big three. Which we were supposed to be having this year anyway. Yeah, True, but I mean, but it, it's still like the Olympics are good. You know, I'll, you know, I'll I'll take it. I'll never, especially when there's nothing else going on. I'll take Olympic basketball, but it's still not, you know, down the stretch regular season NBA. You're now going to have playoff basketball in August and September into October. How much like how much of a game changer is that? What is that to you? What does that say to you? How excited how exciting do you think that will that will be? And do you think it's going it could it have lasting effects, I guess that's what I'm asking. Okay. Well to the first part of your question, how exciting do I think it'll be? I think that compared to the normal product, it will be generally less exciting. But because of the absence of sport and pretty much the absence of entertainment in people's lives in general, there is a real hunger, a real thirst for it that will make it at least feel close to the normal level of excitement in the moment. Now, what was the second part of the question again? Help, help me out. Oh, just, I guess, like how, when, how excited that you are and do you think that this, that this format, you know, going this late into the year, could this have lasting effects, maybe forcing the NBA to, to kind of re, to readdress how they do things? Because... To capitalize on playing summer basketball. Now, if this had happened two or three years ago, I would say, yes, there is a potential for 
a shift in future scheduling. Maybe you see the NBA look more towards a December start in the future beyond just the 2020-21 season coming up after this summer tournament, if you will. But because I think there will still be a push to see participation in the Olympics next year, I don't think the NBA is going to allow this to be a long-term situation because I see them having a, I don't necessarily want to say abbreviated schedule next year, Mm -hmm. but I see them doing their best to make sure it doesn't, even if they have to go a little longer, I I don't see them trying to let it go past late June, early July, which would allow them their players to participate in Team USA basketball if they want at the end of July, August, and then be on pace for a regular, regularly scheduled start to the 21-22 season. So for me, I think the one thing that will keep it from having a long-term effect on scheduling will be the what would have been the 2020, what is looking to be the 2021 Olympics now. Okay. Well, look, let's take a real quick break. And then when we we come back, we got more to talk about because sports is coming back. We got football, hopefully within the next two months. Basketball's here. uh, Basketball's here. Hockey's here. Baseball's. They finally got their act together. And we will talk about all of that when we come back on offense, defense, and discourse. My name is Brown. That's Jonesy. Remember to hit us up on Twitter. O underscore D underscore discourse. And we'll be right back on offense, defense, and discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports. Or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. I asked what kind of family she wanted. She said, a family like yours. Learn more about adopting a teen at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. James Lewis. I've never lived in a city like Phoenix where the downtown is not the center of the city. The, what's popping is out in Scottsdale. That's where everything's popping. That's where all the five-star Twitter restaurants are in Scottsdale. The best clubs in towns are in Scottsdale. The best mm. spas are in Scottsdale. If anything, they need to build the arena in Scottsdale and move everything from downtown out to Scottsdale. Yeah, they build in the then white castles a, Then you have an elite in franchise. Scottsdale. Next to them, next to them carved houses in Camelback Mountain. That's where everything is popping to me from what I've white seen castles in my two years. It's uh, coming to yeah. Scottsdale. I will be there. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo squad. Next to, the, next to the spot is like eight hundred dollars. It don't matter. It <laughs> don't matter. I'm up, I'm up in that right. piece. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we're back on offense, defense, and discourse. My name is Brown. On the line with me is my man, Mike Jones, a.k.a. Jonesy, talking sports, talking everything going on in the world. Hey, Jonesy, have you been watching those versus battles? I have. I have been watching. All right, this week was Fabulous versus Jadakus. <laughs> now, without giving away what actually happened in the battle, you know, let people watch it for themselves. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you and I are close to the same age. You and I are both hip hop historians, hip hop fans, hip hop purists. You know, you and I met on a. On a television show about sports and hip hop. I'm giving you Jadakus. I'm giving you Fab. Who do you have? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me get a uh-huh. little raspier when I answer that question. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, for, the, for those of you who don't know, uh-huh. if you're not familiar with the ad libs of 
the top five dead or alive rapper. Mm-hmm. Clearly, my answer is Jada Kid. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I I am a fat fan of Fab, but for me, Fab is a lesson in how to work on and master your craft. Mm. Fab, early on in his career, in my opinion, was good lyrically, but his delivery was extremely monotone. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't feel the emotion or like the fun from riding the beat that you get from a nap. So, lyric, lyrically, yeah, Fab, he could, he could hold his own with Kip. Mm-hmm. But if you start talking about that full body of work, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I got to give that edge to Kiss. I, I I do too, and it's fun. like I'm a Kiss fan, and I'm also a Locks fan because mm-hmm. I, I I admit that I was probably one of them people. I'm not even saying I was probably I was one of them people like where I always saw Jada Kiss's talent, and I was one of them people that was like, you know what? Why does Jadakiss need those other two dudes? Dude is nice. Why is he why is he hanging with them other two dudes? But for me, it's like where hip hop is concerned. Where hip hop is concerned, I've always respected the grind. And that's what I and that's what attracted me to the styles of Styles P and Sheik Luch. Where those mm-hmm. dudes, those dudes weren't necessarily as nice as as Jadakiss was, but they kept on putting out good quality product to the point where it's like, all right, you got, you know, you know, it's no longer Jadakiss and those other two dudes. Like the locks it, as a trio is nice. Jada's nice. Styles is nice. Sheik is nice. And I respect that about Sheik and I respect that about uh, about Styles. To me, it, it reminds me, like, I respect T.I. as a rapper. Because I felt like when I first got introduced to T.I.'s music, that's when he was battling. He, he was in that battle with, with Lil Flip. And Lil Flip was just killing him. And it was like, I thought it was over for T.I. before it even started. And now T.I. is probably one of the most recognizable names in hip-hop. And when was the last time you heard Lil Flip? You know, it's like, I, I don't, nobody talks about him anymore. I respect that because, you know, like T.I. just came out and he just grinded. You know, and forced his way into the conversation, forced his way into, you know, people into people's interests until he was a mainstay and i respect that about him i respect that about his grind you know say what you want about his personal life and how he does all the other things that's another conversation for another day but as far as his talent as a rapper as far as his talent as a lyricist i like ti just like i like jadicus just like i like fat and i like i've been enjoying these versus battles they're now moving towards putting the people in the same room. And that's a whole lot better than when they were trying to do with the split screens of people just doing, you know, regular Instagram live. And, and you know that there was a model for that with the bounty killer and Beanie Man. Yeah. Baker being in the same room together. Yeah. Let, kind of let you know you could get that feel, a better feeling from it when they are actually in the same room together. That was a, that was a game changer. Like, the ones... The ones I enjoyed the most, I probably I, I enjoyed probably I, I would say I, I enjoyed Jill Scott and Erica Badu probably that was that was the best one, and then I also like with a close second being RZA and DJ Premier when they finally yeah. when they finally were able to actually do it. I liked Teddy Riley and Babyface, although, you know, it took him about six tries to get it right. But I like that yeah. one. Um I, I, I can't front. I, I completely forgot about 
uh, John Legend and Alicia Keys. I didn't see that one at all. I completely forgot yeah, about that, it. That one I wasn't extremely excited for. Mm. But overall, I, I can't be mad. Versus, they give you a good product mm-hmm. fairly regularly. It, they give you the entertainment you need. Yeah, it's a good product. It's a good product. It's it's a good idea because I think it, it just take. I think it's it's like the artist putting themselves in conversations that we have all the time. You know, we sat there in the barbershop or hanging out one day and talked about, you know, like like a Biggie versus Jay-Z or a Jay-Z versus Nas or, you know, just one one artist versus another artist. These are all conversations that we have all the time. And now with verses, all that does is actually put the artist in those conversations. Now the artists are having those conversations on their own. So, you know, I I I enjoy the versus battles. I look forward to, you know, whoever's next. You know, I don't think they've they've announced who the next one after this one after this, but you know, to me, Jada versus Fab is just a win for hip hop. It's a win. Yeah. It's a win for East Coast hip hop. You know, it's a win even though I'm not from there. It's a win for New York City. It's a win for New York City hip hop. So I'm, you know, I'm Absolutely. good with it. Now I'd love to see, you know, now that they squash the beef, let's see Jada versus Beans. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that that's the one you need. The the Jada versus Beans or or, or D Block, you extended the whole thing. It's just D Block versus State Property. You know that was yeah, that works for me. That works. All right, look. Let's shift gears real quick because we wanted to talk baseball. Baseball announced that they have, uh, they've come up with a plan. Players, uh, the players union has agreed to it. It's going to be a 60 game season, 60 games, but not much information behind that. Not much explanation exactly what's going to happen, how it's going to work. There's still discussions about health protocol, mm-hmm. travel, and all these other things. So, with all of this concern, concerns going around with all the debate over money and who would get paid what that even got us as far as we are, do we care about baseball? Does a 60-game season even matter? I think, I, I would say this, I think we can do we care about baseball? Yes. Would be would we be angry if baseball didn't come back this season? No. You know, we talked about okay. this we talked about this on the last show. As far as baseball is concerned, I feel like this is different from the strike year where baseball had to do some work to 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 find their way into the good graces of the American people because of the worst stoppage of 94. I think it's different. If baseball is just like, Hey, look, you know what? You know, we can't, we don't want to put our players at risk. Too many, too many players were worried. You know, you got, you know, it's like, you know, we talked about the NBA and 5% of the league testing positive. You know, we, we're in the Philadelphia area where the Phillies had announced that 12 members of their organization tested positive. And we understand that in the grand scheme of things, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this without the actual numbers in front of me, but in the grand scheme of things, the totals and the percentages might be low, but if, you know, they're going baseball and the players union are going back and forth on this. If they can't get it together, just say, Hey man, you know what? We just decided to err on the side of caution. It's just not working out. A we'll come back next year. Now I just, and I still think there's a very good chance that may happen. And I, baseball yeah. specifically, I still think there's a good chance that could happen. And I understand. I understand here's my biggest thing with baseball. Mm-hmm. Like now with baseball for me, 
NHL, NBA, they played the majority of their seasons. They come back with eight, 12, however many games they have left to play to finish it out, take care of playoff seating, and then go through a relatively normal playoff format. It's the, I can deal with it. But baseball, with a 60-game season, let's just, I'm not even going to look back very far, just the last two years. After 60 games in the NL East, where do you think the Phillies were standing in the over last two years? They were in first place. Exactly. Were either of those Phillies teams any good? No. No, no, they and were not. That's what, and that's what concerns me with baseball. That first month or two, your pitchers have a clear advantage. Batters haven't warmed up. They haven't got their timing yet. Fatigue hasn't set in. The mental and physical fatigue of playing every day for playing 162 games in a basically 180 days, that's a lot. That is the challenge of baseball. So, for me, what I'm getting from baseball this year is just almost like a summer exhibition rather than real baseball. So, yeah, it, it'll be entertaining. Yeah, I'll watch. No, I don't care what happens at all. Not this year in baseball. No, I understand. I understand because it's just like you – I mean, you, you look at how many games. We're now at the end of July. We're now at the oh, end of July. Excuse me, we're now at the end of June. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, usually around this time, you know, teams have played, teams have played almost 80 games. We're talking almost 80, yeah. we're talking almost 80 games lost, over 80 games lost. Yeah, going, this point going in the season. into, yeah, going into July, you're looking at the Midsummer Classic, the All-Star Game, mm-hmm. which, which is the point where most people actually start paying attention to baseball, where you're, but at this point, you've lost literally, let's see, if you're only planning to play 60 games out of one, a potential 160, you've lost more than, what, two-thirds of your, you lost almost two-thirds of your season. Yeah, you, you we're, yeah, and I guess. Yeah you've, lost, yeah, you've lost about 60% of your season. And you look at what, you know, you look at how baseball scheduling is. How many times enter you know? How many times you play teams within your division over the regular season? You know, you're talking by this time in this in the regular season. You know, you've played Atlanta two, three times. You've played mm-hmm. Washington two, three times. You've played Miami two, three times. The Mets two, three times. You know, all those teams. You play. You know, so. You take all of that away. I mean, and it's just like what you said. It's just like the analogy you just gave. You know, you're talking about with with ba- with basketball and hockey. The season was almost over, and now you're just going for you're just going for playoff seating. You've seen what you know. You've we've seen Joel Embiid this season. We've seen Ben Simmons this season. If you're in hockey, you know you've seen the Flyers. You know what Claude Giroux is about. You know what Sean Couturier is about. You know, you know, you have an idea where this season is. I think if, and honestly, because baseball, because basketball and hockey are, are such such different sports, you could abbreviate the season and still get a a good measure of where teams stand. Like, no, uh, what was the last year that that NBA lockout? I can't remember. I think uh, wasn't Miami's first championship in a lockout shortened season? Or, or excuse me, the first championship with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. Wasn't that a, uh, a lockout shortened season? Um, I'm trying to remember. I Did I, they I, get I, all the games in that year? I can't remember. I want. I want to say it I was because I feel like I, I feel like I was have. I felt like the debate was from people saying that because 
it was a strike-shortened season, there was an asterisk on LeBron's first championship. It was LeBron's first championship, and I felt felt like people there were people saying that, oh, you know, this is tarnished because it was a strike-shortened season. But nonetheless, I feel like I don't feel that way about basketball. I wouldn't feel that way about hockey. But honestly, a 60-game baseball season, yeah, I would feel that way. You play baseball this year, whoever wins the championship. Now, granted, I'll, I'll, as much as I am a podcast host, I'm a fan. So if somehow we play a 60-game season this year and the Philadelphia Phillies win this uh, World Series, I'll be at the parade. I'll have a world champion's hat. You can save the receipts. You can play the uh, you can play the clips from this show all you want. My team wins the championship. There ain't gonna be no asterisks. Anybody else wins? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm feeling some sort of way. I'm spe- You know, I, I I don't I don't know if I could call this a, a real championship. And that's me. That's coming from a guy. My team won 12 years ago, so it's not like you know other. You know, it's it's not like old situations in Philly sports. You know, where we were long suffering for so you know, for so long, where we would have just taken a championship anyway. You know, we're still what, less than three years what uh two seasons away, two seasons going into a third season removed from Eagle Super Bowl win, twelve years removed from the uh Phillies. So it's not like I'm so starved that, you know, I would take whatever. But nonetheless, if the Phillies win the World Series this year, hey, I'm good with it. Anybody else wins, I'm talking about an asterisk. I'm putting an asterisk by their championship. <laughs> you know, the Mets win it, somehow put it together, win a championship. That championship is tarnished. I don't want to hear about that. Phillies win, it's all good. I'm at the parade. I'm on Instagram doing live videos from the parade. That's, you know, that just is, that is what it is. That's just how it's going to be. Now, I, I, I pose that question to you. 60-game season, you putting the asterisk by the championship? Absolutely. There's no way I can't. After 60 games, last year's World Series winner wouldn't have even been in the playoffs. And... Team that would have been first place that was in first place after sixty games finished in what last? Sixty games is not enough for me in baseball to say there's no asterisk involved. That's just me. But other people may feel differently, but yeah, there's no way I can look at it and say this is a legit baseball champion. So let me circle back before we get out of here. I asked what would happen if baseball were to say, you know what, it's not going to happen in 2020. And we're just going to come back in 2021. Are you looking at it the same way you looked at baseball after the 94 strike? Or when 2021, when first pitch 2021, are you all in on baseball like you normally would be? I think baseball, at this point, if they were to just say, you know what, forget it, this season, the wash, I don't think it would hurt them. Mm. I, I, don't, I don't think it will help them, but I definitely don't think it would hurt them. So you, you I would... Feel like, I feel like baseball had an opportunity help themselves this summer and they blew it royally so now they're at kind of is at a point where people have kind of just accepted yeah it is what it is and it's not going to be if, if the baseball lost their opportunity to be, to be at the forefront of people's minds mm. so Baseball already not being among the top of popularity among team sports, I don't think they're going to hurt themselves, but I 
do think they absolutely missed the opportunity to help themselves. I hear you. I hear you. All right, well, look, man, only time will tell. Time will tell. Give us a couple of weeks. We'll come back. Hopefully, there'll be more of a plan, more information. Maybe we'll have something on what's happening with football. July is coming. July will be here the end of this week. So with that, maybe we'll hear more about training camps opening up, mini camps, football players doing something. We'll we'll figure it out. In the meantime, you tell us what you think of this show. Hit us up on Twitter, O underscore D underscore discourse. Ladies and gentlemen, on the phone is my partner, Mike Jones. We call him Jonesy. Now, I would hope before we get out, I want you to shed some light on something. Because I heard that back All then right. back then they ain't want you. Is that true? That's true. That is true. They didn't want me back then. Alright, well you've been stuck in your but, crib for like six months now. And mm-hmm. and you've been you know you And now now mm-hmm. I'm hot, no corona. You oh you hot but no corona. You oh so so what happens now? Now that you back out on the street, what's happening? Since I'm hot, no Corona. Uh huh. They all on me. Oh, I was Corona hot. They couldn't be on me. No, I'm understood. No hot, so. oh, they all on me. They all do. They wear masks though. Are they wearing their masks? Yeah, I don't leave them with options. Un- gotta un- be safe. Un- understood. Understood. Wash your hands. Put something on your face. You know, and 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 hopefully we'll all be back here next time on offense defense and discourse that's jonesy my name is brown peace y'all hey you feeling this podcast to hear this and more go to soundcloud.com slash b-i-t-w sports or on itunes or apple Podcasts and search best in the world sports the proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. The construction Tims are classic in Philly they and are. New York. They are. Connecticut. James Lewis. Never been to Connecticut, man. Connecticut, Jersey, you definitely from Uptown, New York. You're definitely Manhattan, from New York if you Harlem. shouted out Connecticut. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.